it's one of those times of year where I start looking back. And uh, a couple years ago, maybe four or five years ago, I started kind of keeping a diary of what goes on. Now, part of that was because people would say, do you remember in that meeting when we were together and you said, and I'd go, no, I don't remember that. And I started keeping a little bit of notes and and now it's just a habit. It's, it's what I do. I walk around with a black little notebook that says APU on it. And, um, and I got to look back over that a little bit and uh, think about, you know, where we're at after tomorrow night. And, and then I preach again on uh, Christmas Day at 930. And, and then I'm off basically for about a week. And, and family comes into town. But, but I've become very reflective on, on what's gone on in the past year. And uh, the amount of change that goes on in our culture is is surreal. One of the books I read and I listened to this year was Thanks for Being Late by a New York Times writer, Tom Friedman. and It was a follow-up to his book, uh, The World is Flat, and he talks about the rate of change in the world being exponential. And uh, it's amazing to think of that, that generation ago, uh, generation ago, I've been at St. John's 25, almost 26 years, and that's about a generation. And I think about you know, what, what's happened in that generation. When I first came to St. John's, I had one of the only computers that there was. Uh, all of the work and the bulletins were all done up by hand on stencils, and there wasn't a computer to be found. And finally, we bought a, a Macintosh, and we put that over in the music department. And, and boy, we thought we hung the moon when we could do bulletins on the computer, and you could change it and all of that stuff. And and uh, remember when we first got our first uh, designated phone line in the old lighthouse, which is now the preschool, and we were able to connect on AOL.com. You have mail, if you remember. And boy, we thought we were moving good with a baud speed of about 9,800 uh, B, what, where's my computer guys, BSP, baud speed, whatever. And the modem would go, and then it would connect. And and I remember in about 1995, we, we took all of the, the, the dollars that we had in our uh, uh, bank fund, our line of credit, and we loaned out and we put $200,000 into computers. And that seemed like a ridiculous amount of money, but it was the first time that St. John's kind of stepped up and stepped into that. Pastor Esch was the pastor, and we all had to be kind of prompted and tuned up on how to, how to work a computer. And, and you think of where we went from there. And now Marco's got a, an, an iPad right here that's connected to our T1 line that comes in through Chapman. Our T1 line is so fast, we can have over 700 machines on that computer with kids in school running video, and it slows down just a very, very little bit. But so much so that a generation ago where I would have looked and said, this is great, our kids look at the video coming down and go, man, that's so slow. How, we give, how can we even handle We can't even game or send pictures it's because it's so slow. What's going on? And, and you think about that rate of change to the point where now I can crank out my iPhone, I can dial into the Packer game, and I can find out exactly what's going on minute by minute, bit by bit. Or I could put it on Facebook Live and give it some of this, and y'all could, could wave at the people who are in different parts of the world. But that, that kind of change is hard to digest. I'm not sure when God made Adam and breathed into him the breath of life, I'm, I'm not sure that, that God winked at Adam when he woke him up and said, you know what, in 2018, 2019, your great, 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 great grandchildren are going to be freaking out because things change so much and so, so quickly. And I wonder as I reflect, and I wonder as you begin to reflect with me back a little bit about the rate of change 
And sometimes it feels like you have to digest so much, you're drinking life through a fire hose because there's just so much going on. And I think a little bit about the amount of change that went on in the United States. I reflect on the hashtag MeToo movement, which through the Brett Kavanaugh hearings received an incredible amount of play in the culture. And women started looking at men with kind of a jaded eye, and men started looking at women with kind of a broken, wondering eye. And we're all kind of uncomfortable about what we could say because two weeks before that, you could kind of guard what you said. If you're respectful and dignified, you were fine and crass joking. And that rate of change from that hearing on and how men and women looked, with, looked at and spoke to and were acculturated, almost a sense of dread and fear. You said, hello, you wondered how that was going to be done or what was written in a yearbook from years ago. How would that be interpreted? And and that amount of change about how men and women dealt with, listened to, and lived with one another is, is a big deal. Something that people from my generation have to tread lightly around because of the way we were raised. And then there's the amount of change that came through politics and culture in 2018. A political polarity. There was an article in a Newsweek magazine or in a Time magazine this week that said, America may be the most polarized that it's ever been, which of course is hyperbole, but still to think of that that there'll be people coming to our homes that will be struggling with our political persuasion. They may say, well, here's Uncle Tim, he's a crazy Republican, or here's Uncle Eric, he's a nutty Democrat, and how do we get along, and how do we curb, and, 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 and how do we bring down the walls as Christians living in America rather than building them up, so to speak. Maybe not such a good metaphor to have written down today, but, <laughs> but think of the rate of change that's gone on politically in America just the last year and how that set people kind of against one another instead of aligning people toward common, toward common goals. I'm learning a little bit more about how economics runs as well for people who are over the age of 70 and they have a minimum amount of dollars that they have to pull out of their savings in order to assuage the tax monster and, and do that and to have, take the minimum distribution towards an investment and And you want to talk about people who follow the stock market and the bond market and the investments. And we've had a year of crazy ups and downs, even the last month, the ups and downs in the economics. Just as soon as all the prognosticators think they have it right and things are going up, then the bottom comes out. And just as soon as they think the bottom's falling out, then things go up. And, and, and all the, the people on your business news things and on your Twitter feeds and on your social media, they kind of put their hands up and say, we're not sure what direction we're going. We think it's going to go up and it goes down. We think it goes down and it goes up. We're just not sure. And people have to take distributions out of retirement accounts that maybe have a net loss over the year. I know in our own church, as we've looked at our endowment fund over the last quarter, we've lost $116,000 out of about a $4 million investment. That's a lot of change to digest. That's a lot to think about in the land of the free and the home of the brave. How are you doing? How are you doing with digesting the amount of change, maybe in America, maybe politically, economically, but in family? How are you doing dealing with those things that have been just wonderful this last year? And you look back and you get to a certain date and you stop and you say, you know what? This anniversary was the best one ever, our first one. It was fabulous. 
Or maybe you're sitting with a child that's about nine months old on your lap and you said, I go back to March, it was the best month of the year. We had our little baby, we haven't slept since, but it's fantastic. Or maybe there's those days where you said, Grandpa was in the hospital for two weeks and that was pretty rough. Mom didn't think she was going to make it, but here she is today. Tough time moved into a, a good time. Lots of change. Lots to think about. Lots of challenges that God saw you through and lots of opportunities to be grateful for the many, many blessings that we received. And then to spin and look forward into 2019 with a profound sense of hope. Because one of the realities of our Lord is that He doesn't change. The word of the Lord from James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my dear friends. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows? He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. I love that verse in the middle. He does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth. Christmas is a good time to think about that. We get after Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, the whole story of the birth of Jesus. Those of us who've, who have uh, seen and, and, and witnessed and been a part of that expectation, you know that no matter what the doctors say, the, the baby is born at the right time. When it's ready to go, it's ready to go, and it doesn't matter whether you're out shopping, whether you're at home, or you're hooked up at the, at the uh, LDR room up at, at St. Joe's Hospital. When that baby is good and ready, that baby's on the way, and the doctors and the nurses and the tech and all of that stuff, and, and then all of a sudden, you're, 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 a day started out as a normal day, and there's this little baby, in the case of my daughter, uh, plopped right in my lap, and they said, congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Klinkenberg, it's a little girl. I said, congratulations, Mary and Joseph, it's a little boy, and his name is Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins, and his love for you, mom and dad, his love for his brothers and sisters, his love for all of mankind is not going to change. He's not going to be up way, ump one day and down the other. Jesus doesn't ever issue an edict where he says, and now I'm done loving you. Rather, the love that flowed from Bethlehem in the manger and Jesus is the same love that came from the Father's heart in the Garden of Eden when He looked at Adam and Eve and said, you messed this all up, but I'm going to fix it. I'm going to bring God and man back together. I'm going to bring men and women back together. I'm going to bring mankind back together like this. And I'm going to create a movement in a church through my Son that will be the biggest, grandest movement in the history of the world. And though the world is going to change around the church, and the church will change in its presentations and its offerings and its way of thinking, yet the core message of the church of Jesus Christ is never going to change. That God loves people. God doesn't just love us people. God loves all people. And people of faith are born into the name of Jesus. We wear the name Christian. And that name does not ever flow with how things are going in the White House, the market, or in the family. We are Christians, first and foremost, having been baptized into Christ. The one identifier that, that doesn't ever change is that I'm a Christian. I might be a Christian that has a little more this year than last year, a little less than last year, a little less certain this year than last year, but I wear the name Christian. 
Because I belong to Christ first and best. I've been born into the name of Jesus. And being born into that name means that His mercy is mine. Day in and day out. Continuously and eternally. He gives me and you more love than we deserve. And less punishment than we deserve. And that's the the effect of His mercy on our lives. That there's this marvelous unchanging confidence that we are loved and cared for. That there may be people who hold our deeds against us, but God in Christ is not one of those. Rather, God's marvelous eraser on the cross, delivering forgiveness for you and me. A powerful, powerful, stabilizing influence in our lives. That's what Jesus delivers in His mercy. And that doesn't change. And the marvelous gift of His grace, that He loves us more than we could ever love ourselves. He loves me more than my wife can love me, more than my kids can love me, more than I can love them or I can love you. He loves us more. And that doesn't change. He beholds us in His love every day. I don't know if the Lord wakes up, but if He does, the first thing He thinks about is His people. He takes away guilt and shame and the muddiness of life and delivers the marvelous light of life providing His grace day in and day out in all the events of our lives. His grace never changes because you can't undo the birth of Jesus, the cross of Christ, the open tomb. None of that can go back and be undone. It all stands done and completed for you and me. It's finished, Jesus said. And so we gather together in this place of great stability. Of all the places that have a stable message, this is the place. I love to tease when people come for Christmas, they kind of come to check in to make sure the message is still the same. Uh, God loves people, right? Uh, Yeah, right. God loves people sealed in the manger, delivered at the cross, right? Oh, okay. One Christmas, I'd like to say, yeah, God came down yesterday and said, y'all in real trouble, but yeah. God loves people. So as you reflect and you think about what's changed and what's stable, I want you to look forward with great hope because you wear the name Christian. But maybe there's a couple things that you would think about in the days ahead. Maybe you'd look back at 2018 and think, what went really well? And maybe you'd look back at 2018 and say, what, what, what was pretty tough? Where were, the, where were the challenges in my life? What's right? What's wrong? And maybe going into 2019, what's missing? Is there something in 2018 that there there was kind of a hole in my life that if I move in this different direction, just a little bit, if I just tweak and turn the dial just a little bit, is there something that I could add to my life that was missing in 2018 that would make 2019 even better? And maybe a fourth question, is there something in 2018 that was broken that in 2019 God would bring healing What's right, what's wrong, what's missing, what's broken that could be fixed. Because God's love for you in Jesus is a stabilizing influence. And while I can't be a prophet and stand up like Nostradamus or even John the Baptist or or Isaiah, those guys don't have that gift and I don't look good in a camel hair shirt like John the Baptist did and he doesn't sport a rain spooner, but that is what it is. But at the end of this message, I can tell you two things going forward. And there are two things you already know. 
One is that you're going to be presented with challenges and opportunities in the new year that you don't even see coming. Some are going to come up your backside and you're going to say, wow, I didn't see that coming. And some are going to hit you head on and you're going to say, we knew it was coming and here it is. And the second thing I know that is in those challenges and those opportunities through 365 days, the Lord will never cease to lead and guide your life. He loves you too much. He's sacrificed too dearly for you. So in the joys and the challenges with Jesus guiding you, Look hopefully and courageously into the new year. While the days change and the calendar moves forward, the love of the Lord is a marvelous gift to you and me. Never changing, always refreshing, always providing a stable, strong place for your life to both be, have its feet on the foundation and in which your life is rooted.